The passage for today is 1 Timothy 6, 11-21. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only Sovereign, King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in an unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge, for by professing it some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. The beginning of this message was cut off, so we'll pick up in verse 11 where Sean is explaining what the things are that we need to flee. Pretty much the same things that with that like it talks about in the very beginning that uh, as I urged you when I was going to Macedonia remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith and then we have first uh, Timothy six eleven that says but as for you O man flee these things which Daniel covered last week what those things are, but I will take a quick glance at them. And they are, um, if anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with, with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ, so teaching unsound doctrine, flee from that. Flee from being puffed up with conceit. Um, flee from a love of money, um, which is a root of all kinds of evil. So in our fleeing... What I always like is that Paul, if he's going to say, don't do this, do this. So we have flee, and then he immediately goes to pursue. So clearly, we're on the run. And so with that, he says, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. And so if we're going to look at pursuing righteousness and godliness and faith and love and steadfastness, fastness, steadfastness, fastness, and gentleness, we also need to bear in mind that none of them are in isolation. I think we've all experienced the pursuit of these things in isolation. I know many, um, I would say, my time as a student in a local institution, I didn't know people who pursued righteousness, but then none of their pursuit was accompanied with gentleness. I, as a student, refused to read anything by John Piper or John MacArthur because I did not like the people who liked John MacArthur or John Piper, because they were smart, but they were not nice to me. And so I, I would say that oftentimes uh, we want to pursue righteousness and godliness, and, and I think clearly that is a good thing. That is action we need to take. But in pursuing those things, we also need to pursue gentleness 
and love. If the aim of our charge, if the aim of, of Timothy's charge was love, I don't think that we are removed from that. In fact, throughout the entire book, everything that we see to this point, there's, there's no directions that don't apply to us as well. There's a few, there's a few instructions that are to specific people, um, but pretty much all of those, you, you could easily say, yeah, that definitely is something that we should do. Like when he talks to, to, to elders, and he says, uh, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. I think all of those are good things for us. I think the, the only exception in the qualification there would be the ability to teach, but everything else are things that we should pursue. And then when he gives directions uh, on how to treat people, while he's talking to Timothy about not to rebuke an older man, um, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as sisters, younger women, oh, huh, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. I mean, while he's talking to Timothy, that applies to all of our interactions. And I think that I was really impacted when we talked about that. That if we look at our neighbors and we think of our neighbors as our mothers or our sisters or our fathers, I think we would treat them all very differently. So, but then going further, fight the good fight of the faith. So there are, I've, I've noticed a recurring theme in First Timothy. It always, he, Paul gives direction and then he talks about the gospel and then he gives direction, and then he talks about the gospel, and then there is usually a digression in the middle of a sentence, which I'm really excited about, because we do in fact have that in this, and that is how I talk often. So um, when he says, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness, then he gives in, you know, we're, we're keeping with the taking of action. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And both of those things are saying, hold on to the gospel. Which, in this time, clearly there were additions to the gospel. Um, there's folks saying you can't eat certain things. They're saying don't get married. And yet Paul says that's, that's both not necessary and not part of the gospel. And we're not too far removed from that. Um, a, a buddy of mine, I call him Jack, Clive Staples Lewis, mere Christianity. He talked a lot about the fact that people want to add to the gospel. There's always some addition. But the only thing that, that we have going for us is Christ's finished work on our behalf. And that is what Paul is saying here. Is he's saying fight against unsound doctrine where people are adding or taking away. But all we have is what Christ has done on our behalf. So we're going to hold to that. So then take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God. Okay, this is, this is the sentence that is filled with digressions because it normally could fit on this page. Without his extra stuff, it just says the charge, uh, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that is what he's saying. He's saying, I charge you, keep the commandment, bam. But the way he says it is to say, I charge you in the presence of God, 
who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. And so we, we read that, and we read how he would just randomly break into this when we've been talking throughout this whole series about there being a limit on paper, and as much as uh, within the frames of that limitation, Paul thought it was necessary on this occasion and many others to talk about who God is and what he's done. Um, when we talked about the mercy that was given to Paul, he had just given a bunch of directions to Timothy, and then he says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, though formally. And in the same way, he just takes a step to the side to say, I need to talk about this. I do not want to go, that, go without this being said. But I don't think that we do that a lot. I know I don't do that a lot. I don't randomly break into praise because I think at this point that would feel weird. But then again, I think that when talking with each other, that is something that we should do. That we should occasionally digress and talk about that which God has done for us because I think that it should be the most pivotal. But usually, if I'm honest with all of you, and you've all spoken to me, and I'm a nerd, I digress and will talk movies a whole lot, and superhero things, and some of you know how truly nerdy I am. But I say that to say I think that we, as a collective, me as an individual, I need to, to work on that. I need to focus on these things, because um, in reading one of... I. I consulted very few things on this, I'm going to be honest with you, because I get overwhelmed by this sort of thing. And so uh, I mostly just went with the ESV study Bible. So if you were to check out the notes, it says right here that like Paul is making sure that Timothy feels how big God is. And I think that that's, I feel truth to that because he is expressing these things, but I also don't think that that's accurate because Paul's not subtle. I don't think he really says anything that you're like, what does he mean? Like, there's plenty of things that you're like, what does that mean? But you don't really say, like, what does he mean? He, he doesn't pull his punches. That's why Peter says later on, Paul says some hard things. And so I don't think he's doing that. I think he is just overwhelmed in thinking of who Christ is and what he has done and what he has saved us from and his patience and his grace with us. And that is what fuels everything he has said to this point. You are welcome to go back and read through this and see how he will do that a whole lot. And so next we get to, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So Daniel talked about that last week. 
about not holding on to riches, and Paul found it necessary to reiterate, to give directions. But again, while these directions are, are specifically for the rich, they apply to BC, who is not rich. And we are told, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes in the uncertainty of riches, which is really tough, because, well, I do not have those riches. My mind, from time to time, will wander to think, like, oh, man, things would be so much easier, you know. But, of course, no money, no problems. Um, which, and then it says, who, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. So just as, as Paul said earlier when he talked about what his hope is in, his hope is in Jesus. Going back to, to what I was saying in his digression, he will display at the proper time he who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light. So that is where Paul's hope is, and that is where our hope needs to be. And then he also says, and who richly provides us everything to enjoy. So recently, I was given the opportunity to um, intervene on someone's behalf, and instead of being generous with that, which I had, I leaned more toward the stingy. Um, so, so I will totally confess this in front of you guys because um, there is somebody else who might be here, and when I think of them, they're somewhere between sitting and stand, or kneeling and standing. Nope, kneel. Anyhow, so who, when talking about this, so I don't know if not everybody's familiar with, with what recently happened, so someone from our church. No, you guys, you're on the city, right? I'll just say it, Neil. Hope you don't mind, buddy. Neil's in nursery, so I'm going to tell you, because Neil is the man. All right, here's what happened. So Neil's walking into Walmart, and he bumps into a gentleman from Romania, I think. That's what he says. And so with that, Neil talks to him and finds out some of this gentleman's needs, and uh, they meet. So then he asked if he could get some support on that. And so the next night, Crystal and myself and the Sneeds, we met up with this gentleman named Victor. And we met with him and we, we ate at Pizza Hut because we thought at the conclusion of the meal we can also send them with a the pizza so that they have food. So we talked and like I just, I don't know what to read on this guy. Like I could not figure it out for the life of me. Like we're talking and... I don't get how he went from California to here and how in his story he um, isn't supposed to be able to drive or is supposed to be limited in driving, but I am not limited in my driving and I haven't driven to California, so what's he doing in Hannibal? And a whole bunch of other questions on top of that, including but not limited to some of the hairstyles accompanied and the dye jobs. So I am wondering what to make of all of this, and I am stoic and i we get the opportunity to present the gospel we capitalize on that opportunity but neil who is the man has come to the conclusion that in the end 
if, he, when, if and when he is faced with the question of what you have done with what you've been given, does not want to say, I was super stingy. I, I kept it all to myself. No. He afterwards was like, what do, you, what do you need? Do you need anything? And met with him on several other occasions, pulled together funds like he got him a gas card, because that's what he was asking for. That's why I also felt really weird about it. Like, I'm just being honest with you guys. I felt weird about the whole thing. And I, you know, like, I don't want to look dumb. So in, in turn, I'm looking dumb. So, but then we, Neil, when talking about it later, that is what he said. And I was just really encouraged by that. Because none of us have tons of means. But then again, none of us are also living out of our van. And when Neil asked him if this guy had food, he said, oh yeah, don't worry about it. We've got crackers and water. I thought that was hyperbole. No, I believe, in fact, the case was he felt his needs were met with crackers and water. And so, in the end, ultimately, I'm going to say, I don't know what's going on with this Victor guy. We, I saw his van. It was registered, so I was really confused because he doesn't have an address. And they had nice phones, but... All this to say, clearly they were living out of their car, and they were clearly in need. The extent to which they were in need, I do not know, but they expressed that. And while we did sift through the, the data provided to us, Neil ultimately, I believe, did the right thing, because he was not stingy with his riches, um, but he used those to do good works and to be generous and ready to share. And so I confess that to you, and I say that that is something that we... I think it, as a church, I think you guys are probably way better than me. So, but we need to be ready to share and ready to take care of folks who, who need it. And I think in some cases, be there, and that's part of our church community. And why, I dare say, we want to be missional. Yeah, I use the buzzword. But we want to do that because as a collective, we can learn much from each other and be encouraged when it's not always encouraging doing missions. It's not always encouraging when, in that instance, you, you don't know what to do, but then again, somebody else came along and decided that the right thing was to do was to take action, which I'm going to say I think Christians should take action. And so, um, thus, storing up for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life, which I think is a the ultimate point. We're not holding on to these things because ultimately we want to do that to lay a good foundation for the future. No, we don't. But we want to take hold of that which is truly life. So, uh, verse 20. O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of, of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. I think that goes to the very beginning and what Paul has weaved in and out the entire time is that we want to talk about you know, contradictions and we want to figure out things that are controversial in Scripture because that is really entertaining when we're not actually doing anything. Uh, I, this is just a a guess, but I would think any of, of my friends who have recently gone to East Asia, I'm not saying where or who, but they might probably say that when you're not bored, you talk less about 
unnecessary controversial topics and more just about encouraging each other in the gospel. I got a nod. I got a nod, everybody. All right. So with that, I would say we should probably sometimes look at the uh, at what that symptom means and not necessarily just like be like, oh, I got to get him. Whoever's bringing up controversial topics like, hey, Paul said that you're an idiot. Cut it out. Because also the aim of our charge is love. And so just being like, hey, that's not the goal here. Like, in an unloving manner, it's almost as though we're called to be gentle with these things. And so I say we should, from time to time, in some ways, shut it down. But in shutting it down, also, while we're fleeing, we should pursue. And so that, again, is why I, I will bring this up, because ultimately what I think that this section has to do with Believer's Church is that we are working on, on becoming missional. And that is we want to impact Hannibal, Missouri for the kingdom of God. We want to do something slightly more than what we've done. Um, I think that we have begun each week during this time with uh, asking, so have you had the opportunity to share the gospel? And prior to that, if I'm honest, I am finding that I was not sharing the gospel. I think while we were doing community groups, and I enjoyed that, and that was fun, and that was really comfortable to me because it was mostly just hanging out with Christians. It did not afford me the opportunities of sharing the gospel, but I don't think that I need to just quit my job at a Christian institution in order to want to share the gospel more. If ultimately I decide that's the case, sure. But at this point, I think there are still plenty of opportunities within those confines. And so with this transition to being missional, I think there's such a feeling of like, we're going to add so much more. We're going to be, now we're going to be like super events driven. We're like, now we're going to do lots of crazy stuff as a group. But I actually think that what we're looking to do more is following uh, like what we naturally would do. Hypothetically speaking, let's say you eat. Thrice daily is the, is the trend, but in the event of, that you have decided to go on the warrior diet and you eat once a day just a huge meal, that went out of vogue in 2010. But if you're on that thing, you still have that one huge meal with which you can say, hey, come with me. And we are going to talk about a lot of things. And some of that is going to be Jesus. Or let's say intermittent fasting is your thing and you do two meals and then you cut it off at 4 o'clock p.m. That's cool. You still got two meals. And so I'm saying in the things that we normally do, we can be more missional. I think that is the goal is not to go do something that's completely different and like, you know, I have no interactions in this instance, but that's what I'm gonna go for. No, I think we could probably try, like if you're a student who wants to be missional and you would like to do that with some of the international students on campus, I mean, that, that one seems to be popular. That's what kids are doing these days. Or non-Christians on campus, while it is a Christian school, there are plenty of non-Christians on campus I'm trying to bring them to you guys, all right? That's my goal. So with that being said, you will eat with those folks. And if you are not intentional, then yes, I would say being missional is tough. 
But then I would also say that being missional, in that sense, isn't tough. Doing the things you, that, that you would normally do and bringing people along with you for that, I'm going to say it's not too tough, which is weird because recently we had a tenant in the Freeman household who has, has been gone for a week, and I miss him. But uh, I would say that he later said what we were doing was discipleship. I did not feel that was the case because I would say he saw me at my worst. <laughs> like, he was around when we got in an argument over bacon three times. <laughs> and so you think, like, ministry, well, you got to have, like, the perfect scenario for that, Right? But I think that that is the antithesis of the truth. I think that it turns out that we ultimately need Jesus. And so in our need, we can easily express our need to others. Because the only reason why we're acceptable, the only reason Paul said that he was acceptable, or Timothy, was because of what Christ has done on his behalf. And so while we're all nervous about what, what we're going to do, will our community remain the same? What's that going to look like? I would say the, the aim of our charge is love. And that our goal in being missional is that people would hear about Jesus and that we would grow in our knowledge of the gospel and sharing that with people and in some of that in sharing our lives. And so we're not, the goal isn't to make it more stressful. The goal is to be motivated because of what Christ has done on our behalf, not because we want to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps or muster up more courage or something to that effect. I hope that makes sense. So uh, that is pretty much what it, I wanted to say. And so, like I said, the goal is not to make things more complicated. And I think that we have a tendency to do that. And so what I would like to do is we are taking the Lord's Supper and we are remembering Christ's finished work on our behalf and that his body was broken for us and his blood was poured out. And because of that, we are seen as justified before God. As we are taking that, I would like us to take a little time and break up into groups and talk a little bit about the things that we are, are adding to the gospel, the things that we want to trust in, whether it's our self-righteousness or our legalism or our legalism about not being legalistic. Either way, spend a little time talking with each other about what Christ has done for us. And here's the other part. That, in this context, sometimes feels uncomfortable. Like sometimes we stand around and we're like, so what do I say now? And so just actually talk about what Christ has done for us and how you needed that this week and how you needed to be reminded of that this week when you were at work or when you got in an argument with a spouse or any of that instance. So, I say that. I am going to pray for us. We are then going to take the Lord's Supper and then we're going to talk about what Jesus has done for us and how we need it. So, Father, I thank you so much for the gospel. I thank you for Christ's finished work on our behalf, that we are forgiven and that we are justified. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you that, uh, that you love us. 
And Father, I ask that you would help us to, to draw close to you, um, to think on what Christ has done for us, on how, um, just help us to understand that, Father. So I just pray these things in Jesus' name.